curious about my observations and takeaways this summer working in the Alaska travel industry, that's what we're talking about today. Welcome to the Alaska Uncovered podcast with me, your host, Jenny Twing Flaming. My occasional co-host and full-time husband, Jay, and I bring you accurate, helpful, and entertaining information about Alaska travel and life in Alaska. Today, Jay and I are talking about my experiences working as a tour director in the Alaska travel industry this summer and my most important takeaways for future visitors and for myself, really. Well, I feel like I should have done the cold open since I'm going to be the host this time. Do you want to start over? No, not at all. Okay. I just feel like it's a it's a, it's an unusual one where you're not trying to rein in my long suffering conversations. Ooh. We just got finished for listeners. We just you know you're hearing this a week later, but we just recorded another episode. And I I think I went about half an hour over our expected time. So That's I'm going to, okay. Jenny is a much tighter on schedule. So I can, I can promise you this one will be a little more uh, restrained in the amount of time here. Well, I don't know about that, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, well, let's get going then. So, okay. Jenny, what the heck were you doing all summer? Yeah. Uh, Yes, it's probably good to talk about that because, as I think everyone knows, I've worked in this industry for a long time, and you and I met working in the Alaska travel industry like almost 25 years ago. So um, I've done quite a few different things, but um, this year was a new role for me with a new company, and I really enjoyed it. They were awesome. Um and my job was as a tour director, and I took people on multi-day trips either before or after cruises. So we either went from Seward up to Fairbanks um, with some time in Denali or the other way around. We started in Fairbanks and went down to Seward. And because of all my other work, it was a part-time role for me. I just got to do a few tours, but it was really fun, and I really loved it. So um, and I wasn't driving like I always have been in the past. I was responsible for things like what tours we're doing and when we're eating and where we can eat and where we're staying and where we're going and sharing commentary along the way. So, yeah, that's what I was doing. I think actually the not having to drive while you gave the tour, I, I really noticed that when you came home, so both of us have had part-time gigs or short-term gigs in the, in the travel industry in the past in various parts of the world. And I think at least I can speak for myself and I think I can speak for you having been here when you returned from some of those gigs, you were just worn out and, you know, it can be very exhausting to be kind of on all day long and, and taking care of all these different logistics and whatever. And I always felt like this summer, you, when you came back, you were more energized when you arrived than when you left, which seemed like a real difference to me from some of the other gigs you've had. Yeah, that's definitely true. And part of it is being an extrovert working online. It's really good for me to get out. <laughs> <and do tours laughs> yeah, right. So that was that's yeah, is, legit. But also 
Yeah, it was amazing not giving a tour and also driving. So if you're on a tour, give your driver an excellent tip. They are doing the hard, the really hard work. So uh, yes, just plug for all drivers everywhere. Thank you, drivers. And, yeah. and, and being the tour guide, you get a little bit more of the, the limelight. And so the drivers are often the kind of unsung hero in the background doing shucking luggage and fueling the buses and washing them and getting them. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to those guys for sure. Who were us at one point, but so you did a couple of, um, of, of stints up there and, I actually didn't even get a chance to really talk to you between the two. You, you weren't home very long. What was, uh, what was the best, what was your best moment up there this summer? Well, I, I have to say I really loved riding the Alaska railroad. So mostly the tours that I did were in motor coaches, but we had, um, one leg of our trip. It's different on different tours. Um, mostly in my case, it was between Fairbanks and Denali, on the Alaska Railroad. And it's just fun because the guests just love it so much. It's just hard not to have a good time. And it's also beautiful. Um, and it's pretty unique to ride a train through remote areas to uh, a national park that's especially one as iconic as Denali. So I would say that was probably the highlight for me. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, Despite all the years I lived in Alaska, I never got to ride the Alaska Railroad. I was always driving the route or dropping people yeah. off and picking people up from it, but I never got to ride it. I we actually, need to do no. that sometime because it's wonderful. Yeah. Well, it's especially great. in fall, like where it's yeah. when, once the colors start turning. And yeah. And on my last trip, there was just starting to be a little bit of fall color, like in Nanana Canyon. So that was pretty cool. I, I, I should say, though, that I have ridden an, an Alaska train. It's the train that goes around the gold dredge. Is it, yeah, is it, that one is different. It's, different. <laughs> it's cool in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Um, but what about when you weren't working? What was like the best thing? I mean, you had some time off quite a bit, actually, uh, while you were up there before and after your tours. What What was the best thing you saw this year? Well, I think there's a couple things. One was um I a lot I spent a lot of time in Fairbanks um more than anywhere else on just because of the way the particular tours that I was doing were structured. Um and the weather was really lovely while I was in Fairbanks and as you know um you know, sometimes Fairbanks can have pretty intense smoke in the summer, which they did at a few days this summer. Um, but I missed the smoke and I missed most of the rain. And so I got to spend several evenings eating dinner outside on one of the decks in Fairbanks next to the river, which is something I love doing when I lived there um, and got to catch up with different friends and colleagues. So that was really fun. And I think the other thing was um, at the beginning of the season when I was there for training, um, I went to the pretty new Alieska Nordic Spa um, in Girdwood with Jamie, and um, that was a pretty fun. That was a pretty fun day too. It was very chill and it was great. So I think those would be some highlights of days off. 
Well, it sounds pretty rough. Yeah, it it was rough. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were just in Fairbanks, and and folks were definitely like complaining about the weather this summer. And it was just interesting because you had come back with nothing but glowing reports uh, from your your time, and I think you just happened to hit the high spots. I think well, it was and I warm. think you also have to remember that when we were there just now is during the very short rainy time in Fairbanks and people are kind of distressed by rain there, which I've always found funny because <laughs> it's so dry normally. Yeah, that's true. It, you know, they'll cancel things for rain that they wouldn't cancel for like minus 20. Right. Yeah. Also, you know, I think there is a bit of weather pessimism around this time of year where yeah. people are a little bit gloomy about like, oh no, it's changing. Totally. <laughs> yep. Winter is coming, not to quote the uh, <clears throat> Game of Thrones. Yep. But, um, I, you know, it's funny, you also mentioned eating on the on the deck. And I would say that is one of the things I miss about Fairbanks the most. I don't know what, if it's just that people value the summer so much there, but there's lots of outdoor dining, especially along the river and with great views. I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. So what about your guests? What what were they digging in 2023 in Alaska? What was what was the big wins for guests this year? You know, one thing that I really noticed that I thought was so interesting was that a lot of people, I think this happened with more than one person on every tour that I had when we were in Fairbanks, they would say things like, "Wow, I didn't know anything about Fairbanks or I didn't I didn't expect I had low expectations and then they loved it. Um, specifically, people really love the riverboat discovery, which we had an earlier episode. I think it's episode six or seven. That's about the riverboat. And it's an amazing trip. Like everyone loves it. And I think people just didn't necessarily know is going to be that cool because they've they've heard about Denali and they've heard about Glacier Bay and they've heard about the train. But they don't usually know a whole lot about Fairbanks. And um, it was fun for me since I used to live there. And I love Fairbanks to have guests be like, wow, this is a really cool town. And, you know, we got to do so many cool things and eat such great food. And um, so that was one thing. I think also um, people when I so sometimes I had folks before their cruise and sometimes I had folks after their cruise, when they had already been to the different cruise ports. And a lot of people really, in particular, I noticed this year, um, really had a great time in Juneau and Skagway, especially. Um, not that people didn't like other ports or locations, but again, people were like, oh, I didn't know this was going to be as cool as it was. Or, um, you know, I didn't go on a tour and I just walked around town for a while and that was actually really fun. Or, um, wishing they had more time there. So I think those are the things that come to mind that I heard guests talk about the most. That's really interesting. I, I, I always felt like there is a, it's interesting to see what people's expectations are coming in and what surprises them and how that's related to like current pop culture, what's in the news. Uh, I remember having a, a, a lot of folks during my time as a tour guide that were surprised they had expected to see more like environmental degradation because it was in the news a lot about oil and mining development at the time and or folks during the um you know the the heyday of some of the the uh, 
reality TV shows came in expecting some things and then completely blindsided by other parts of Alaska. Like that. Uh, it's, it's cool to watch the transition as to what yeah. people expect and don't. I always feel like folks coming off the Southeast tour or off the cruise part, a lot of what they report seems to be sort of weather dependent. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Where they had better weather. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh my God, Juno is a beautiful. And I'll tell you, on a sunny day in summer, Juno is one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's also really, really rare. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yep. so you can tell when somebody comes off, they're like, oh my God, Juno was beautiful. And like, oh, it must have been the, <laughs> yes. the sunny day. Yep. It's a great place anytime you're actually, but it's like, you know, it's just really stunning on that. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what were, what was surprising uh, your guests in maybe a less pleasant way or what was surprising you about your guest experiences this year? Was there anything that kind of came out of the blue for you or anything that stood out? Well, the thing, speaking of the weather, the thing that really surprised me this year is Alaska had a very wet summer, the entire state and some, you know, Fairbanks, not as much. Um, Denali, not as much. But South Central Alaska had much more rain than normal, like a lot more. Like it rained a lot. (laughs) And I am used to hearing people complain about rain and sometimes about colder weather. And I didn't really experience that this year. And I was talking with some of my colleagues about that. I'm like, has anyone else noticed this? Like, And we were wondering if maybe it was because I, d- I don't know why it was. Um, but I wasn't the only one who noticed that. And I think part of it might be because, um, because of how hot it was in most of the country this summer Um, or maybe just the amount of smoke that people had especially on the east coast um you know earlier in the summer which is something that out west you know we're kind of it sucks to have a smoke but that is sort of nor you know that is something that we kind of expect at certain times and so i don't know I don't know. Those were kind of my thoughts, but I don't really know why. But I felt like people were much more positive and like, let's go do whatever. It's raining, but like I'm pumped to get into the to the park and see wildlife. And that seemed different to me from the past. That's really cool. It makes a lot of sense. I actually I hadn't thought about that, but you know, the, a lot of the country had this record high, really hot temperatures and and smoke in places that don't normally have it. I can see. That would take a lot of the like, oh no, it's 58 degrees and drizzling. <laughs> that sounds pretty awesome when it's been yeah. 105 or yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Well, maybe we should take a, a quick intermission and um, we can, when we come back, maybe you can tell us if you have any, you know, big takeaways or lessons learned or, or things like that. So sounds good. Give you a minute to think about it while we take a quick break and okay. we'll be right back. Hey everyone, I'm Cold Boulder. And I'm Scully Vega. And we'd like to invite you to listen to Fun to Learn. Fun to Learn is a podcast made by and for dropouts who like to learn while they rot their brains. Each episode consists of a few different games, discussions, and informative segments that focus on what makes education entertaining. So, listen to Fun to Learn. Where Where sometimes sometimes we learn, but we we always have fun. fun. I don't (laughs) know. 
I was going off you. <laughs> and we're back. And welcome back to the Alaska Uncovered podcast. And this is your occasional co-host, Jay. And I'm interviewing Jenny for a change about her <laughs> summer. And yeah, working in Alaska on various travel gigs and, and escorting tour groups and, and the like. So Jenny, what, uh, do you have any big kind of overarching takeaways from your, or big things to, to share with our listeners at home that you'd like them to, to hear from your experience this summer? Yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot, uh, especially in the last couple of weeks. Um, after we got back from our trip that we did in the Arctic, plus I wrapped up my tour season and I always like to think about what what are things I can take away from these experiences to share with other travelers? Because one of the big benefits of working as a guide or a tour director, as well as helping people plan their trips and hearing about them after they finish, is you get to learn about more than just your own travel preferences and you have more to draw on than just your own experience. And so that's one thing that I really love about doing these different things, you know, being a travel writer and a podcast host and a tour director um, and a guidebook updater, you know, all of these things I think make all of them better and more fun. So, um, so this year I've decided that there's four big things. None of them are, um, shocking, I don't think. Um, But these are the things that really stood out to me throughout the 2023 season. And as you're listening to this, um, you know, we're recording this in late September. This episode will be live in early October and uh, mid to late September is when the season wraps up for the summer. There are some cruises that go into October. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it's kind of the right time to be thinking about this. Okay. So there's four. Shall I just lay them on you, Jay? Yeah, give them to me. Let's okay, make great. It, we'll make so it a list of four, yeah. four. Four takeaways. Four takeaways from summer 2023. Okay. The first one is Denali is really expensive and be prepared for that. So this is something that really catches people off guard. And I don't want it to catch you off guard um, or for you to think that you're doing something wrong. Um it's an expensive place and it's expensive because it's in high demand. It's an incredibly special and unique place in the world. And it's in rural Alaska. It is on the road system, but there is not a town at the entrance to Denali. There's Healy, which is a little bit away from Denali, but fairly close, but there's no town right there. And there's a really big number of visitors. So keep that in mind when you're visiting Denali, Um, hotels are extremely expensive. That's just how it is. Um, you know, you're paying for the location, not, not for the rooms. Um, so just kind of accept that as part of it or camp. Um, that's the affordable way to do Denali is to camp. Um, if you're a camper, um, and be ready for food to be expensive. If you're driving there, Um, You can pick up food in Anchorage or Fairbanks on your way and have some picnic food and snacks. That'll really help offset the cost. When I say expensive, I mean that, um, for example, in the visitor center, 
um, cafeteria, the hot dogs are $15. So that that's a lot for a hot dog, but you're in Denali. And so that's, that's kind of why it's expensive. So um, one other thing about Denali is just, I would really encourage you to spend at least two nights there. So you have a full day in the park. Um, people are visitors definitely overall, they have a better experience when they're there for two nights. Um, they just get to see and experience more and it doesn't feel as rushed and yeah. um, you have a chance to see more wildlife. So it's a hard place to get to. So you kind of want to yeah. maximize your yep. time there by yep. having, you know, just, you don't want to shortchange it if you don't have to. Yeah. Yep. Ever since you came back from your first trip, we have been using the Denali hot dog as our sort of uh, baseline for what's expensive food. Yeah. Like we're going out to dinner at like a cool uh, barbecue place. And we're like, oh, well, it's cheaper than a. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But and I you like know, you, I like that you called out that, you know, nobody's like, this isn't, nobody's being a bad actor here or anything. It's just really expensive to, to get things to there. It's expensive yep. to hire help. It's expensive to maintain the properties. They have to make all their money in a few months and they don't have an off season. Yep. And, and so, everyone has to provide housing for their employees. Right. There's nowhere for employees to live that isn't provided by the employer. And yeah. yeah, it's just a tough environment for them. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, sometimes you go to like a ski area or something and the food's really expensive and you're like, ah, oh, those jerks there, you know, it's really not like that. It's just a really expensive place to, to carry yep. business. Yeah. 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 So number one is definitely just sort of preparing for how things are in Denali and Denali is spectacular. Uh, it's just a place where there's a lot of people needing the same things over a short period of time. Not and honest. so just, just be ready for that. Yep. Um, okay. Number two is just a whole category around travel insurance, travel delays, and luggage. So people lost a lot of bags this summer. The airlines lose a lot of luggage, and that's just the way it is. Like there's thousands and thousands of bags passing through places. Um and things go wrong. So there are a lot of things from my perspective as a travel professional you can do to offset that. One is just expect the unexpected and understand that things might go wrong. A road might be closed. A tour might be canceled. Your flight might be delayed or canceled. So I I really think it's more important than ever to have travel insurance, which helps you financially if those things happen that are out of your control. Um, I also am a big fan of, if at all possible, keeping your bag with you, not checking your bag. Um, that isn't always possible for a variety of reasons. It's not even always possible for me. I'm pretty fanatical about it, but sometimes you need to bring something that has to go in a checked bag or you need to do too many different things or whatever. Um so I'm a big believer in either AirTags or if you if you don't have an Apple device, you can also get other devices. But they're just a tracker that tracks um, where your bag is. And that is also really helpful. Um, I'd recommend building in extra time. Like don't fly into a city for a cruise and depart the same day. Um, 
I had people on my tours who were delayed because of the airlines for as much as 36 hours. Um, And so just, just give yourself a little bit of extra time to relieve some of that stress related to traveling. Um, So that's the second thing. The third thing is related to that, whether or not you're checking a bag. No one ever wishes that they packed more for Alaska, ever. (laughs) Sometimes people will think, oh, I wish I'd brought a pair of gloves. Well, you can buy gloves everywhere. You're not the only person who's like, I'm cold. I want a hat or gloves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not telling you to be unprepared. Being prepared, of course, is important. But I'm just telling you on my tours myself and the bell staff at the hotel and our drivers were handling the luggage and people still were like, I wish I brought less. <laughs> they didn't have to carry it, which I think is really telling. I mean, even just things like um, in hotel rooms in Alaska are small, right? So if you have six bags in your room, there's not going to be anywhere to walk because you're going to be tripping over your luggage. Um So yeah, just think, could I get away with a little bit less? You'll probably be happy about that. So that's number three. Totally. And I I think um, it's a, it's, that's a really good point. And I am a nervous packer. And so I tend to pack and think, oh, oh my God, what if, oh man, you know, maybe I, maybe I need to bring, maybe I need to bring swim trunks just in case. And, And then, oh, also, and then I'll add in, oh, maybe I need a compass in case I get lost, you know, like. Dude, right. you're flying to Las Vegas. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You need yeah. a company. And so I'm really prone to that. And even I noticed that all that especially cruise uh cruisers going to Alaska overpack, even by my standards, who's a nervous packer. And I think part of that is just the unknown. You know, you don't you don't know exactly what you're gonna need. And so you just end up bringing more stuff. Um, sometimes you see folks who are definitely prepared for sort of an Antarctic attack on the South pole or something or whatever. And, and, you know, it's it, 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 like, I, I really like the way you put it, like be prepared, but don't, don't uh, like ruin your trip by having so much stuff that you can't like handle it. And I'm just going to give a shout out. You have a really great uh, set of resources about packing for Alaska. So. Yeah, I should put my packing article in the show notes again it's in the show notes for other episodes but i feel like this might be another good one to include it in (laughs) yeah okay and then finally my last one is um this is advice that i gave my guests when we were um when we were stopping and people were going to have lunch on their own or dinner on their own um service in restaurants is slow. It's much slower than you may be used to in other places. And, you know, I don't know about all over the U.S. or all over the world, but certainly compared to, um, you know, bigger cities, it's slow. And I just want to really encourage you to be patient. And I told my guests that I would say, like, if we were stopping for lunch, I would say, we are stopping for lunch here and lunch is going to take the whole hour and 45 minutes that we have or hour and a half that we have um if you don't want to spend that time in a sit-down restaurant and you'd rather go shopping or to a museum 
you know, here are some grab and go places where you can get something to eat and have it be a little bit faster. Um, but just setting that expectation around, um, especially in restaurants, it's going to take longer than you might be used to. And please don't hold that against them if the food is good. I, I had a guest this summer who really complained to me about a restaurant that is one of my favorite restaurants. And so I really wanted to hear like about his bad experience. And ultimately, it was just that it took a long time. But he loved the food. And I was just a little bit sad because I was like, oh, the food there is still amazing. It's worth it. And, you know, you can call Uber Eats if you want to get something faster um, or get a candy bar. But I think that's another expectation thing that it really helps people who are either working seasonally or they work in a restaurant year round. If it's in Fairbanks or Anchorage, those are places where most restaurants are open the whole year. And um, pretty much all of them, really. So now, all of a sudden, you've got this big influx of people, but you may not have additional staff to do that because it's expensive to live in Alaska. And in bigger cities, you won't get your housing provided. So if you're working for the summer, which makes it harder to do that. So just bring your patience. Um, expect to have good food, especially if it's a place that I recommend, but know that it might be a little bit slow. And when you're reading reviews of restaurants in Alaska, I would ignore anything that talks about slow service and focus on the food, right? Um, if you do want to eat in a sit-down restaurant and um, you're feeling a little bit rushed, try not to feel rushed. But if you do, another tip I have is to ask for your check um when you order and just say when you bring my food can you bring my check also and that um can sometimes always actually can speed things along a little bit won't necessarily make it fast but it'll make it faster good so, suggestion and i actually yeah. think those folks also appreciate it they appreciate yep. that because it saves them time to yeah clear, clear the table faster and and they they want to make you happy they really do yeah. You know, one of the things too, you mentioned the summer, like I, I see a factor that is that a lot of these restaurants open outdoor dining spaces, yep. but their kitchen doesn't grow. Right. You know, so they yep. may double the number of tables in the summer and they can seat a lot more people, but their kitchen can only, you know, they only have so much space right. on their prep counters or their, or, or their grill, their griddle or whatever. Yeah. You can only get so many, so many meals out a minute or an hour, you know, yeah. So and yeah. And in addition to service, you know, sometimes it's common for restaurants to be out of a lot of things, um, especially in a more rural area, like the restaurant that you and I went to in the Yukon that didn't have any vegetables and hadn't had any vegetables for a period of time. That can also happen um, in Alaska as well. Probably not in Anchorage and Fairbanks, but um, smaller yeah, communities for sure. I would definitely encourage that people expect that the vegetables will be of a lower quality and lower quantity than they expect uh, yes. from other places. Yeah. Yep. And if you want a really good salad in Alaska, I recommend um, 49th State Brewing in Anchorage and East Ramp Pizza in Fairbanks as a couple places with really exceptional salads. So if you're like, 
dying for a vegetable, that's where you want to go. I did have a woman ask me, like she wasn't even on my tour, but in Denali, she saw me interacting with my guests and she came up to me and she said, is there anywhere to get a vegetable here? And I was like, yes, there is. And then I gave her a couple places, but I was like, you know, it's going to be expensive. And, but yes, you can get a, you can get a vegetable, but it's, it's challenging. So you can always ask a local because the locals know where the vegetables are good because yes, Yep. January, they, they know where to go. <laughs> yep. Um, the last thing I wanted to mention about service being slow, I think the most obvious places this comes up is at restaurants, but also um, things like taxis and ride shares will take much longer than what you may be used to in, especially if you're an American in the lower 48, especially if you live in a city. Um, Anchorage, is pretty good with like uber and lyft um fairbanks is kind of hit and miss sometimes you can get someone right away sometimes you can't um so you can always in alaska you can always fall back on a traditional taxi but still you might be waiting a while so if you're going to take a taxi or a ride share to an airport um give give yourself a lot of extra time because it may take longer than what you're used to and yeah, and so airport airport security uh, expect that can be longer than you think too. Yes, yeah. Issue that like it's kind of built for its year round average. Yeah, can heavy surges in the summer season that can really overwhelm capacity. So yeah, and especially if you have a red eye flight departing, um, yeah. there are lots of red eye flights, and that sometimes throws people to you. They're like, my flight is at one in the morning. How can the airport be busy? And it. You know, the Anchorage airport in the summer is pretty crazy at midnight <laughs> and yeah. 11 p.m. So just... yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I, to me, that seemed kind of normal. But but you're right. Most airports don't have the number of overnight flights that they do. Yeah. The I, By the way, I will mention that the Seattle airport is also quite busy at that time. There are also a lot of red eyes Same problem. Uh, out of the Seattle airport, but they tend to leave at like 10 or 11 and not like midnight one, two, three, but. So well, that's it. So that's my four. So first one is thoughts about Denali. Second one is thoughts about travel insurance and delays. Third one, packing lightly. And fourth one, be patient if things are slow. You know, I, what I hear shades in what you just said about shades of, of um, be flexible, uh, be prepared, but not over like not overly cautious and and allow enough time for the unexpected as always are always things but i think those specifics you called out are really useful and helpful and i don't see any reason any of those will be significantly different next summer i wouldn't i wouldn't expect any of those to change anytime soon do you want to take us out uh sure great thanks Thanks. for the interview jay and thanks to all of you for joining us for this episode of alaska uncovered If you haven't already, get on my email list for free Alaska travel tips every Thursday. The link to sign up is in the show notes. We'll see you next week with another new episode. Bye for now. Bye.